There's something about that word. As soon as we see the word free, like someone could be speaking it in a, in a grocery store, we could be out shopping, and someone says free and it captures our attention, like synapses start going off in the brain, because there's something about free stuff that just we, we like it. There's, there's no cost on our part, we're not investing ourselves in it, just let me go check it out. In fact, if you walk around Sam's Club on a Saturday, one of the reasons I love to go to Sam's Club on a Saturday is because everybody's there and they have all the samples there, and you can walk around and it's food I would never pay for. Like if I went to a restaurant, I would never order it. I have no desire paying for it. But because it's free, I'm going to go check it out. They come say, hey, come here. It's free food. I say, okay, I'll go check this out. And the thing is, I'm not very discerning when something is free. If someone came up and said, hey, I want you to have this. This is free. I don't care what it is. It piques my interest. I could be walking through a grocery store today, and someone could say, hey, here's some free cat litter. Now, you know, here's the deal. I don't have cats. As a matter of fact, I hate cats. But if they said here, someone got mad at me. I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm allergic. It's not my fault. Uh, anyway, if <laughs> cat people are going to start throwing cats at me or something. I don't know. But, but, but when it's free, like it captures my attention because if it's free, it's for me. So first service, they nailed it. Like everybody in the first service because they're all greedy. Second service, not so much. You guys are givers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. First service, if it's free, it's for me. A lot of us, we have that mentality of thinking if it's free, it's for me because there's not a lot for me to invest and I like stuff that is free. If I like stuff that's free, even more so, I long for freedom. And that's what this whole series is about. We're going to get to that in a second. But, but here's the thing about this, this idea of being free. I want freedom. But if I want freedom, why do I keep going back to the bondage? You see, here's what I know. When it comes to life, I want to be free. But stuff like financial pressure, it starts to bring bondage into my life. And I start to feel like I'm being wrapped up. Or maybe there's some family pressure to deal with and, and family members are, are fighting about things and they're getting frustrated. And because that's something I'm supposed to enjoy starts to feel like it is tying me up and leaving me wrapped up and in bondage. And I start, maybe I get a diagnosis I wasn't longing for or I hear from a friend that says I don't want to be friends any longer. I get information that doesn't make me feel good and all of a sudden the very things that I was longing for the things that I desired as they struggled back behind me to get this whole thing working, the things that I thought were going to bring freedom to my life that I was supposed to enjoy instead brought bondage. And they locked me up. And so what happens is I say, I need to escape this. I don't like how this feels any longer. So I need to find a way because the things that I'm supposed to like about life aren't bringing freedom. And so I'm going to find escape someplace else. And sometimes we turn to things we shouldn't to try to find freedom. We think if I just turn to, maybe if I turn to drugs or if I turn to alcohol, if I turn to something else that maybe isn't something that's, that's going to help bring freedom, but I think it's going to bring freedom for a season, we start to experience freedom, but it's fleeting and it goes away. And so in turn, a lot of us start to turn to religion. And even when it comes to religion, at first, religion appears like it's bringing freedom. But at some point, what I'm longing for is a relationship, but instead of relationship, I'm getting just straight religion. And instead of the release that I'm looking for, all I start to feel is responsibility. And I start to feel the weight of these chains that are really, really heavy. And I thought this was going to bring freedom. I thought this is what I was longing for, 
but instead all it's bringing is bondage and more pain. And the very thing I was looking for is the thing that I am not finding at all. I want to have freedom. I want to have release. But what I'm finding is more and more chains. And eventually those chains get locked up. And I feel very, very stuck right now. Now, truth is, I've, I've, I've heard this all before, and I'm going to share a scripture in just a second that's supposed to bring freedom to our life. And then we're going to continue this on. We have, we have a winch up here. It's going to lift me up into the baptistry, and it's going to lower me into the baptistry, and I got 30 seconds to escape. If I escape, it's going to be the coolest thing that ever happened. If it doesn't, you'll hear it about in the ledger tomorrow morning, I promise. And Chris is going to come and close out the service really quickly. We're not going to do that. These are real chains. And I feel really, really stuck. But the thing is, there's a key. Over in Galatians chapter 5, it's explaining the very reason why Jesus comes. Not to bring religion that we sometimes find the responsibility comes in religion. But in Galatians 5, verse 1, it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand, there, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The very reason Jesus came here was to bring freedom, not to bring the chains of responsibility and, and regret into our life, but instead to bring freedom. In fact, just a couple of verses earlier, it had said this, in verse, Galatians 4, verse, 20, verse 30, it says this, But what the scriptures say, cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. It says, listen, in the Old Testament, there were, there were two separate categories of laws. There was a ceremonial law, which was more, it was meant for purposes, meant to point people to Jesus, but it had a whole bunch of rules that were no longer appropriate for today. Well, some people still felt, when Jesus was writing this, when, when Jesus was speaking this, the, some people still felt those rules were required, and he had to live by those rules, and some people felt the yoke of bondage in their religion, and, and the writer, he, Paul writes, and says, listen, that's not for us. Jesus came to set us free. We're not living like that anymore. We got rid of some of those ceremonial laws, but with that, some people felt like on this side was the moral law. And if I get rid of the ceremonial laws, then I can get rid of the moral law and I can go doing whatever I want. And there are a lot of people today that think, I have freedom now. I can go make my own choices. I can live my own life. And I no longer have bondage. But they go and make those choices, make some of those same mistakes. And they wonder why at the end of all that where I thought there was freedom, I feel just as chained up. So whether it's on this side, me thinking religion is going to bring it, a bunch of rules are going to bring it, or whether it's me on this side saying, I think I can do whatever I want, that's going to bring freedom. Eventually, at the end of both of those is just more chains. And Jesus come, and he said, this is the reason I'm coming, is to bring freedom. And right now, if we're not tasting that freedom, then, then we're missing something in this. Now, here's what I know. I've heard enough messages. I sat in church just like this, or I sat in small groups, or back in the day I sat in Sunday school classes, and I heard people talk over and over about Jesus being the, the one, the, the, the freeing one, Jesus being the one who liberates us and sets us free. And I know that there's a key to freedom. And literally today, I have a key to my freedom. The problem is they did a pretty good job chaining me up. Even if I could get to the key... I couldn't get to the locks to turn the key to free me. 
Now, I want to be clear. Jesus is that key. However, what I've discovered in my life is that even though Jesus is the key at times, he needs to use strategic people in my life to turn that key for me. So James is coming up. And James is going to be the one to turn that key for me. James is actually in my family group. James, i got a problem. The key's in my back pocket. I need some help. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> That'd be weird, man. Uh, so so I, <laughs> some of you are like, is he really going to do that? Um, so James, they locked me up, so I need help turning the key. <laughs> With friends like this, I'm not sure about all. But, but, but here's the deal. Jesus strategically puts people in our life to help out with the liberating process. He alone is the one who liberates us. But I am so thankful in my life to have friends, to have peers, to have a family group who helps out when I feel like, man, I have chains. I know the solution to those chains. They did a pretty good job, didn't they? <laughs> uh, I know the solution to the chains is found in Jesus, but I need someone to help me turn that key. I need someone to help liberate me because I can't do that on my own. And whether it's the chains of, of religion that sometimes can be bonding in my life, like I said, that was really heavy. <laughs> or whether it's the, just the chains of, man, life is getting really busy for me. And those things I thought I was going to enjoy, things like family, things like finance, things like, like just hanging out and, and, and being good people, sometimes even those things, my work is starting to bring up on that responsibility and those, those weights and those chains and those ropes. And so I need someone in my life to start to help me up and to free me and to set me free. That's good. I can breathe now. Thanks. I appreciate that. Here's the deal. Today we kick off a series called Freeway. And part of this series, this whole series is about discovering the way of freedom in our life. And I think most of us don't want this. Most of us don't want the weight of these chains in our life. And yet at some point we start to feel suffocated by how life is getting after us. And we start to say, I don't know where to turn. And I'm not even sure if I knew where to turn that I want to do it. Because sometimes that process itself makes me really, really uncomfortable. And that's what this series is about. Is sometimes it takes us to go outside of our comfort zone. To start to trust, to allow people in. For us to start to experience the freedom that we're longing for. So three things we're doing. This is a special series for us. Three things we're doing. First of all, every Sunday morning for, the ne- for this week and the next six weeks, we're going to be talking through these topics. And here's the deal. I know that we have a lot going on. I know maybe some of you are visiting here for the first time this morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm going to ask you to do this. If at all possible, be here for the next six weeks because each of these topics builds on the previous one. And so if you miss it, you can always catch the podcast. I'd encourage you to do that. But each of these things builds on the previous one. And we're going to work through this week's kind of the introduction to Prodigal's Party. And the next six weeks, we're going to build on these topics. So let's go ahead and look at these topics real quick. First of all, next week, we're going to talk about awareness, trying to discover freedom. The next week is discovery. The next week is ownership. The next week is forgiveness. The, fi- the next week is acceptance. And the final week is discovering that freedom. Each of those topics is essential for us to be able to get to the next topic. So on Sunday mornings, we're going to talk about those. In addition to Sunday mornings, another way you can connect to this, and Chris mentioned this earlier, and he's going to mention this at the end, is also through our freeway groups. Uh, throughout this, this next couple of weeks, we have a lot of freeway groups that are meeting across the county at nights, people gathering together, discussing the Bible. If you want to join one of those groups, Chris will share more information about that. But it's a chance for us to do this, to connect with people that can help turn the key in our life. I'm thankful for James and some of the other people that are in our group that help turn that key on a weekly basis. And I know at times it's uncomfortable and, it, and it's difficult for us to break 
beyond that kind of facade that we have, but to meet in groups because for us, learning doesn't always happen in rows. For us, a lot of times, learning happens when we meet in circles and talk about things. So I'd encourage you, I know it's a stretch outside your comfort zone. If you haven't already done so, join one of the groups that's meeting. For the next six weeks, we're going to talk about this as well. And the final way is, is this. We also have going along with this, this wasn't developed by us, but there's, there's a, a workbook that's all about freeway. And, and as we talk about these topics, these topics are mentioned in this workbook. But whether you're meeting in groups and groups are going through this, or whether you're not meeting in a group and you're doing this individually, this is a great way to connect. And some of the things they challenge you to do, this isn't just a book that you're reading. Uh, there are some things in there you might read. But it's a workbook of things that you are going to be able to do to participate and sometimes to spark creativity. Because when you spark creativity, it allows you to kind of have some inflection, look at yourself, see where things are at, have some introspection. But also for you to be able to share with people that you're in group with. Uh, Chris is going to share one of those at the very end this morning. But one of the big things I've always learned leading groups, leading youth group for a long time and retreats and stuff that we would do, was you get out of something what you put into it. And so I'd encourage you, this book is going to challenge you to be creative, do some things that you might think, well, that's silly, is that that big a deal? Go ahead and do it anyway. Because you're going to get out of it what you put into it. One of the things they encourage you to do is, is over here, on, I'm on page 40 of the book, but it says if you're meeting in those freeway groups, snap a group photo and post, if you're on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, snap that group photo, post it to Instagram, post it to Facebook with the hashtag I am free, just so people, other people participating can see that to encourage each other, say, man, we're part of this journey together because we want to see us moving forward together as a church. And one of the ways to do that is the groups. One of the ways to do that is learning individually. Do the book on your own. Bring that to the group. Talk about it. Encourage you to do that. If you have any questions, Chris will be up at the very end to talk about that. But, but, but get involved. What you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip back to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If not, the words will appear up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 15, we're starting to see this, uh, a story that, that we're very familiar with. And here's the thing. When it comes to the relationships that we have, um, we, we, we want to have freedom. We want to have freedom in our life. But, but the relationships that are so essential to that freedom are sometimes very difficult to form. And they're difficult to form because we have lived in a society where we try to create a facade of pretending everything is good. And we do that even in the way that we do our social networking and, and our media. Uh, we'll take a picture of our family. And you guys know, especially if, if your mom's in, in the room, you guys know you try to get that perfect picture where your family looks just right. Now, this isn't realistic. We know your family's not really like that. But you want to get that perfect picture where your kids aren't like poking each other in the eye and beating each other up and hairs all over the place. You try to make everything look just right. And here's the thing. Even if we don't get it right in that picture, the great thing is today we have Photoshop. So even when things don't work out the way we want in the picture, we can still go afterwards and edit it to make it look right. And we take a picture and post it on Instagram and want to make sure everything looks right. So I make sure I put the right filter on it so it makes my skin complexion look just right. Take out all the blemishes. I want to make sure everything looks just right. And that's how we live our lives as we pretend. We walk into church on Sunday morning and someone asks us, hey, how, how was your week? It was great. Everything was good. I'm, I'm always happy. And we do that. Now that we want to come into church every week grumbling and complaining because if you do that all the time, people aren't going to like that either. But we need people who we can be authentic with. And here's the thing. The freedom we long for is often hidden in the authenticity that we fear. I want you to get that. The freedom that we long for 
is often hidden in the authenticity that we fear. So we put up this facade of pretending everything's okay because we don't want people to see things how they really are. We don't want to be authentic because we're afraid if, if we're authentic, people are going to look at us and judge us and they're not going to like us because we look at everybody else we think everyone else has it together and it's just us and it's not. We're all broken. We're all in need of a Savior. And the moment we realize that, the moment we start to allow people to come into our lives to change us, to allow Jesus to change us, but then to put down that facade, allow people to come into our life to change who we are as well, it becomes so vital. We're so afraid of judgment. We're so afraid of of, man, I've messed up because I messed up, man. The sin, the sin in my life is holding me back. There's no way I could ever be free from that. And God says, that's the very thing I want to free you from. Luke chapter 15, if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard this story. It's one of my favorite stories. And even if you heard this morning, as Chris shared, the, the kind of the topic for this week is the prodigal's party. You probably had a good idea this is where it was going. But there's a story in, in Luke 15 that Jesus is telling a parable he's telling. He's telling a story about a son who said, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die. His, his father was a wealthy landowner. He had a lot of money. And he said, Dad, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my money now because I want to be able to celebrate when I'm young. And so, God, Dad, give me my inheritance now. I want to have all of that now. And he gets his inheritance, and he goes out into a, a, a land far off, and he starts to spend all his dad's money, and he wastes it all partying and doing all the stuff that he wants to do, thinking in that he's going to find freedom, and he doesn't. All he finds is he goes through the money, and the friends he thought he had are gone. And he's left at the end saying, where's my hope? Where's my, all the stuff that I thought I was going to find, I haven't found in all that partying and living it up. All that stuff is gone. I thought this was freedom, and it doesn't feel like freedom any longer. So he says, I, I know what I'll do. He found himself in a really, really bad spot. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my dad's house. And I'm going to ask my dad to take me on, just as one of his servants, to help him out. He owned a lot of money. He owned a lot of, uh, a lot of land. And Dad, just let me come in and let me help serve like some of the people that are working for you. Because they're living now better than I'm living now. And so he wants to come to his dad, and that's all he's desiring. His dad, let me come in and work for you. I'll earn my keep. And he's going to come. He's going to apologize because that's what he wants. But we pick up the story there in verse, Luke 15, verse 20. It says, And he arose came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father Solomon felt compassion and ran and embraced him and he kissed him. So the story picks up. The son is, the son is coming and the dad sees him. The dad sees him, sees him a far way off. And maybe before anybody else, his dad sees him and he says, wait a minute, that's my son. Other people might have been like, are you sure? I'm not sure that that's really him. The dad says, I know my son. I can tell by his posture. I can tell by his gait. That's my son. Now, if it's me or if it's most of us that are dads in the, in the house, we would think right now, well, if, if my son, maybe he's a teenager, maybe he's 20, 21 years old, and he thought he knew everything, and he went out and partied it, I'm going to sit back on my rocking chair on my porch, and I'm going to wait for my son to come here, and I'm going to be tapping my foot, waiting for that apology. And if it's us, maybe the story would go like this, where he would come up and he'd apologize, and our first response would be to say, son, I told you so. Like, I told you that is what would have happened. Like, I think for a lot of us, that would genuinely be the response we would think would be appropriate at that moment. But here we see the, the, the father looking out and seeing his son a far way off. And here's the deal. He was wealthy. He was a landowner. Both of, and he was older. All three of those things meant that he was supposed to, there's a certain level of decorum he's supposed to hold up to. He wasn't supposed to be excited. He wasn't supposed to be out running. But here's what he does. They wore these long robes, and he hiked up the robe 
to be able to run and see his son. Immediately when he saw his son, he ran to him. Then it says this. The son said to, the father, said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet. Immediately the father recognizes and runs to him. And immediately the father forgives. The son comes and says, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. Father, I apologize for the acts that I did. And he's ready to come. And again, he's just looking for the, the lowest of low. God, just, Father, just give me a chance to work this all off. And the father says, wait a minute. You've come. You've apologized. And I want to let you know you're part of the family. You're completely forgiven. He says, bring the best robe. Nothing but the best for my son. And put, put, put it on him and put him a ring on his hand. Give him the ring. In their culture, the ring often would come with a family emblem. He's saying, son, I want you to know that right now you were lost. You have been found. And immediately you've been forgiven and you've set back in right standing. I've made you again part of the family. And then it says this. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So immediately he recognizes his son. He goes out and runs to greet him. Immediately he forgives him. And immediately there's cause for celebration. The reason why we often miss it, the reason why we keep going back to the chains when it comes to our relationship with God, is we feel like we have to carry our weight. And if we're not living up to that standard, we feel like, man, I'm letting someone down and I'm not doing my part. And so we start to feel that responsibility of religion being doers, 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 instead of just being in Christ. Instead of realizing, he says, I want to take those chains for you. I want to set you free. I want to set you in right standing. And when you come, because we're all going to make mistakes, but when we return, there's going to be forgiveness at the end of that. When we return, there's going to be a celebration for us. Because we were lost and now we're found. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult the challenge is, we turn to Jesus and Jesus, I realize you are the source of my freedom. And there's times I feel like I start to pick up those chains myself and I start to bear that responsibility myself. That's not God's intent for us. But I start to do it because I feel like I have to be responsible. And Jesus says, let me take those chains. Forget your past. Forget the pain of all the mistakes that you've made. Forget the burdens that you feel like you have to bear. I want to bear those burdens for you. The son returns and the father celebrates. He says, my son was lost, but now he's found. There's a couple of things that we're looking for. We're looking first for authenticity with God. Like if we don't have that, then everything else is amiss. I can, I can fake it with people that I come in contact with. We, we're all pretty good at faking it with people. Someone walks up again and says, how was your week? And whether or not it was a good week, I can say, hey, it was a great week. God bless you. Awesome. Great week. I can sometimes fake it with myself. But God sees through that facade. So we need authenticity with God. We need authenticity with ourselves. And then ultimately, we need authenticity with others. And that's not comfortable. But there's a quote that comes directly out of the workbook. And the quote says this. Go ahead and put the quote up on the screen. You can be comfortable or courageous. 
but you cannot be both. See, when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to those people that I allow in past that facade, I can be comfortable. I can hold them at arm's length. I can be really comfortable and say, okay, everything's good. I'm not going to allow anybody past that. Or I can be courageous. Let that wall down. Start to really ask questions. Start to get to know people. Start to care about people. Start to love people. But I can't be both. So we're going to do this. In the seat back in front of you, there should be one of these cards. If you would go ahead and grab one of those cards. Bottom of the card, it says, who do you talk to when you're hurting or when life is tough? I'm going to ask you right now. This is actually from the workbook as, as well. But right now, write the names of people who, when life is hurting, when things are tough, who are those people that you turn to that are going to give you a word of encouragement but also give you a word of challenge? Who are those people that you trust to go beyond that facade to where you really are? Now, I'll say this. If you are married, I hope your spouse is on this list. <laughs> if not, there's a problem. But if you're married and your spouse is the only one on the list, there's also a problem. We need to have people. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We need to have people around us who are going to help us out. And I know it's not comfortable. I know it's not easy. A while back, I had a good friend of mine. We were friends for a long time. And came up to me and said, JJ, I need an accountability partner in my life. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to meet with me on a weekly basis to challenge each other, to encourage each other. I prayed about it and said, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to do that. First time we met, it was awkward. We started going out to breakfast every week, and the first time we met, it was kind of like, hey, so how's it going? He's actually another a youth pastor as well at the time. And it's kind of like, we talked mostly about like work and what's happening at our churches. And we were friends, but it was taking that friendship to a different level. And it was really weird at first. It was uncomfortable. But you can either be comfortable or you can be courageous. You can't be both. And it took a while to build up that friendship to the point where we started to trust each other, to challenge each other, and to equip each other. We need to have friends like this. And if we don't have friends like this, we need to start to work on that. Because there's going to be a time in, in our lives, probably in the very near future, where we're going to feel very chained up. And we say, I know the answer is Jesus, but I can't get to the lock to free myself up. And we need people around us to help us out in that journey. The Father comes to forgive and to celebrate. When he does that, he frees the chains for us so that we can be free. So where the Spirit of the free Lord is, there's freedom. We want to have that freedom. But in order for, to, for us to do that, again, taking those chains off requires Jesus being that key, but also those people around us to be there to encourage us, to equip us. And, and when, when sometimes when I need I need to be kicked in the butt. It's a JJ, you need to get your, get your head in motion. You need to figure this thing out. We need those people around us. Let's pray.